We are in the new year. You know, everyone's coming out with New Year's resolutions. It may be you. Uh, they say 92% of New Year's resolutions don't work. And a lot of resolutions that people have is about losing weight or getting more muscle or getting more fit or getting into a bikini or Speedo or just feeling comfortable wearing a dress that you haven't worn in a while that maybe you fit into before, but you don't now. And so I'm gonna be speaking to an expert who is the expert. She's written four New York Times bestselling books. She's all over television. Uh, she's triple board certified in nutrition, and she is a strong woman. And I wanted to have her on today's episode of Always Evolving because she's gonna be talking about the decisions she made you know, I just a week ago, one decision, the first step to a better life came out, which is my book that I released that if you are looking to make decisions in this new year and you are looking to maybe improve your finances or your health, it is a playbook that will walk you through step by step how to get your life on track so that you can have the best 2021 ever that's one decision, the first step to a better life. You can go to my website, coachmikebear.com, and that'll give you all the links to the, you know, all the different stuff going on and all the links for the books and if you want to check out more podcasts. So anyways, welcome JJ Virgin. Thanks for joining Always Evolving. Happy to be here. I was waiting to see if you're going to make some quip about my name, Mike. No. You, is, you showed restraint. Is that a pretty <laughs> common thing? People make a quip about your name? <laughs> Well, the funniest thing is I married um, a man whose last name is Oregon. So, oh, so you have a JJ Virgin Oregon. Exactly. Yep. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom uh, actually, her maiden name is Gardner. Her middle name's Lima and her name's Ina. So when you put them <laughs> together, it's I am a Lima Gardner and she used to get teased <laughs> all the time in school. So. I'm sure. Uh, did kids tease you in school with your last name? Well, it's my married last name. Okay. I gotcha. Yes. No, I'm, it's my married name. My virgin name was Johnson. Um, there is a Mary virgin and her middle name does start with an A. So these things happen. Yeah. We were careful with our kids to make sure that wasn't going to happen. And where, where are you located right now? I'm in Tampa, Florida. Oh, I love Tampa. Yes. Relocated from uh, Rancho Santa Fe, San Diego. There's a lot of different stories or things we could talk about on this. Um, we talk about nutrition. We talk about your book, Warrior Mom. We talk about your experience uh, you had with your son. Uh, but wh what do you want to get into? What's inspiring to you? Uh, gosh, what's inspiring to me? I love your one decision away. It's It's so fantastic because... It reminds me of what was that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow where they were the sliding doors? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you took one, like you stepped on one train versus another. It's kind of that butterfly effect of what can happen in life. I remember her being in a fat suit in Shallow Hal, I think it was. <laughs> one. Yeah, you know, sadly enough, I think that's all we remember of Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> is the fat suit. Fat suit and goop. <laughs> Yeah, it's like fat suit and those candles that she yes, now makes. And I guess Friends too. She was in Friends, right? She was not in Friends. Oh Lord! No, man. Are <laughs> you on, sure? Man. I'm positive, and I'm not a TV watcher, but she was not in Friends. I'm absolutely sure. No, she was not. She's too young. Really? Yes. Gwyneth Paltrow. She was not you you check that out right now, Micah. I'm I looking right now while we're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually see. Yeah, no, we should have bet on that. Yeah, we should have. But uh you are you've been gosh, you you have a lot to your story. So I'm wondering, tell can you kind of tell me about what got you into nutrition in general? Um, I was a, here's the funny part. I was going to be a Broadway stage actress. I went off to UCLA on a theater scholarship and I started teaching, um, aerobic classes in Westwood, California. And then I started 
someone wanted me to come to their house to teach aerobics at their house. And the next thing I know, I was a personal trainer. There were three of us, like this was way back when, but what I noticed pretty quickly, I then, you know, left the theater department. Um, I went into grad school and exercise physiology, but what I noticed fairly quickly on was that you could not out exercise a bad diet and you know, everyone was coming in. They wanted to exercise to lose weight. The reality is if you want to keep the weight off, exercise is critical. If you want to be healthy, exercise is critical. If you want to have a good brain, exercise is the most critical. However, for losing weight initially, food is everything. It's changing what's at the end of your fork. So I realized that I wasn't going to be a very successful personal trainer focusing on weight loss if I wasn't focusing on diet. People were not going to pay me to work out hard and gain weight. So, <laughs> so that's when I started. I was in a, a doctoral program at USC and I s- started studying nutrition. And uh, I've been studying nutrition ever since. You can pretty much learn everything about exercise fairly quickly, but nutrition just, it never ends. What was kind of something that you learned about nutrition that was kind of like an aha moment for you? Well, my first aha moment happened, um, gosh, 30 years ago. And it was like back then when I, when I figured this out and said it, it was literally, Mike, like I was saying, the earth is flat. You know, I said, because what I realized early on was that it wasn't about calories. What I was being taught in grad school was that in order to lose weight, you had to eat less and exercise more. And you needed to to create one way or the other a 500 calorie deficit a day to lose a pound a week. Except it sounds great. And I love math, but our body is not a bank account. It's not a math equation. And I saw really quickly that at first I thought my clients were cheating, right? That's the first thing you think, well... Here's my, here's my math equation. They're gaining weight. They must be cheating. But then I had the good fortune to take a group away to a retreat where I managed everything. So I knew exactly how many calories they're eating, exactly what they're doing for working out. So by my calculations, if this was a bank account, they would have lost a pound that week. And some lost two pounds, some lost no pounds, some gained weight. And that's when I went, all right, clearly this is not just about calories. And while calories count, where they come from probably counts more. So what if your body wasn't a bank account, then what? And that's where I came into your body's not a bank account. It's a chemistry lab. Mm. And food is this information. And and it's funny because back then it was all about, okay, have artificial sweeteners. They're great. They don't have any calories. But I go, gosh, I'm seeing these people drinking these artificially sweetened things and gaining weight. How could that be? And again, the the people back then were like, oh, they must be eating cookies and pizza. And I go, no, these are like crazy calorie counters. I had one client who would counter calories every day. She lived on all this Weight Watchers, low calorie crap. And she'd so damaged her metabolism that she got to the point that if she ate over 800 calories a day, she would gain weight. And she wasn't thin. She was very overweight. So that's when I really went, okay, I'm going to go against you know, the popular belief out there and say, what if it's not calories? What if it's what we're eating and when we're eating it, right? And then also what we're doing for exercise. Cause back then it was all about doing long, slow distance cardio. If you couldn't do at least 30 minutes, don't bother the longer, the better. And I stopped all that, started focusing on resistance training and high intensity interval training. So we're in the new year and because I'm sure that is the busiest time for nutrition, fitness, wellness is the month, the first few weeks of January, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the, I mean, would I be right to say that's when things seem to be most amplified and people to your point, we're a chemistry lab and everyone's body is different and everyone reacts differently to the types of food they eat or even the type of uh, fitness that they get into. How does one figure out in this new year, what the heck, what, what are decisions that they make towards improving their health and wellness? Like, you know, their nutrition, their fitness, like how they figure out the roadmap. You know what you did so well there is you said, what's the decision? Because here's the thing. What you do in January, like if you do some new things, you decide you're going to go on a cleanse and um, exercise every day. And you might, that might last two weeks that 
in two more weeks, you could undo everything you just did. But if you instead focused on your mindset first and you focused on that decision, like you just said, you made the big decision. 2021 is my year. It's my year to put my self-care above everything else, to understand that self-care is actually the most selfless, not selfish thing I can do because then I can really show up better for everybody in my life and for what my life's purpose is. And so if I'm doing that and prioritizing, where do I start? Not like, how do I go 180 degrees and do all of these things? Because if you sit there January 1 and you write out this idea that you're going to start doing yoga three days a week and be very mindful and maybe meditate, and then you're going to start doing your HIIT training and some resistance training. You're never going to eat gluten or sugar ever, ever again. You're going to intermittent fast. You'll also do some full fasting days. You'll make sure you take your supplements. You get the idea. It's like January 2nd, you're like, uh, I'm done. I'm out, right? <laughs> but if instead... January 1st, you said, my decision for the year is that my self-care is my number one priority. And I will not let things get in that way. And I will prioritize it by starting with one, one decision around that key, like the key decision of self-care. Then where do I start? What's the first thing that I do? And what if the first thing that you did was just to say, I'll start with what I measure and monitoring I can improve. So I'll start every day weighing in. That in itself for most people is so horrifying. They're like, oh, no, no, but that's first you just do that. Then what if the next thing you did was just to, to write a food journal? Every day, just write down what you eat because people only like to do that when it's a good day. <laughs> right? right. So you just start just, just so you're aware. Then you go next. What if I just add before I take away? We focus so much on what we're not going to do, but what if we focus on adding something in like adding more non-starchy vegetables? Because if you add more in, maybe you'll crowd something out, add more pure spring water, add more mm. fiber, right? So you start with that. Once you've done those things, and I think you probably noticed when you go to the gym, you drink more water, right? When you drink more water, you eat less food. Then you all of a sudden have more energy. Then you start going to bed earlier. Then you, like it, all of these things start their own cascade effect, but it has to start first with that decision, <laughs> And then the first thing, and the first thing should be something that's really an easy win. It's a gimme. And that's why I say, just step on the scale. Then just start writing down what you do. Then like, let's add in some vegetables, add in some water, add in some fiber. Then let's stop eating after dinner, shut the kitchen down. My gosh, Mike, if all we did, like if I had my way, I would create some kind of mechanism that after you had dinner and not late, you had dinner, like if you're going to go to bed at 10, dinner should be done by seven, that at that point, there were these bars that came down in front of your kitchen and that kitchen would not open again <laughs> until right. the morning, right? No matter what you did, the kitchen was closed. And that's what we really need to think of. If it takes armed guards, I don't know what, don't go in the kitchen because you're not hungry at night. You do not need to eat before you go to sleep. You're not doing anything but healing and repairing. You eat right before bed. You're actually going to lower your growth hormone response. You could create, you know, some reflux. It's just, it's, it's a bad thing. So that's an easy one to do. And then we can start getting into, okay, figure out your hidden food intolerances, lower your sugar impact, right? But you just, you start with one that you get a win with and you build. And so really what you're saying is it's being disciplined. It's finding discipline that is based around your self-care that sets yourself up to have more of what you want. And and let, let me ask you though, I am I love corn nuts. No one seems to know much about corn nuts, but I freaking love corn nuts. I feel like they're the most underrated nut on the planet, by the way. I think they're delicious. They're not a nut, but I've been dude. eating those Hold on. We're gonna Google corn nuts. They're not a nut? The corn nuts aren't a thing? Hold on. We're, we're getting out Dr. Google just, right now. Um, and let's talk first. You know, I was on this show, Freaky Eaters. It, it, exactly. We de dealt with people just like you. Um, tell me, because I know I yes. had to research corn nuts for another crazy human before. Um, and are you eating plain corn nuts or the really crappy stuff? Well, I just eat corn nuts with salt. Okay, Salty so corn, corn nuts. nuts, which are corn, are also, it's a corn kernel, right? So they deep fry them. They do? Well, of course, how are they getting that yummy way? <sighs> 
They're like a chip made out of a corn nut. No, like they deep fry them. I thought this whole time I was eating something off a tree. Really? I really was. You're eating something. Well, think about corn. It's on a stalk. They take the corn off. They get the kernel. And then let's see. I'm just Googling here to see exactly how that corn nut was actually done because it really feels I'm like I'm getting the corn nuts brought down right now to my podcast room by the way so I can look <laughs> at that this is so helpful I had no idea they oh were oh my fried. gosh so um and those are so what I, you know what I gained weight oh they're fried okay so corn nuts are fried so you've got damaged fats so you've got that issue but here's the bigger issue with corn nuts corn is one of the more genetically modified crops that there are. It's corn and soy, genetically modified. So you're probably eating a genetically modified corn kernel. It's been fried. And how many corn nuts are you eating? Are you eating 10? Here's the corn nut container. I went and got more last night. I thought that this was like a healthy snack. First off, could we talk about, you just said healthy and snack. I don't put those two together. (laughs) By the way, I've been gaining weight and I'm like, why the I heck? I can't is understand been- it. We're we're doing an intervention right now. This is so helpful. All right. Can I get a commitment from you? You're going to do a decision. So your your one decision is going to be that you're going to get rid of those corn nuts. What yeah, do you say? I'm fine now, to get rid of them. Well, don't try. No, no. I'm fine. Meaning oh, okay. I don't need them. I honestly, I have been seduced by marketing to believe that I'm eating a nut and that somehow it's these not are just a nut. it's a corn. It's a deep fried corn kernel. And you know what? Corn's genetically modified. Corn is a starch. When you're, when you eat it, it turns to sugar. So you're snacking on fat and starch that's turning into sugar with some salt. So it's going to make you want more and more and more of them. And what happens when we snack? First of all, why do we need to snack? Eat a good meal that's got protein, fat, and fiber so that you have the trifecta of satiety, so that you've got good, stable blood sugar and sustained energy. You should not need to snack in between your meals. When you snack, you raise your blood sugar, you raise insulin, you store fat around your waist, and you can't access stored fat for fuel. So snacking, healthy snacking with corn nuts, healthy snacking in itself is kind of bogus, but corn nuts are a big, what I would call corn nuts are a trigger food. People don't eat 10 corn nuts. I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly, I looked at the packaging and it doesn't even say they're fried. Here's what I want to see you do. I would like to see a garbage. Do you have a garbage can right around Yeah, here? right by here. Yeah, good. Grab that garbage can. Grab yeah, it. I'll throw away the corn nuts. Let me see. But I want you to take them out of the package. It's very simple to throw them away in that package. Okay. Okay. Yes, here throw are the corn away. nuts. Okay. Now. Dump the corn nuts. Do we have anything icky that you could put on top of those corn nuts? Oh, yeah, I'll pour water on it. Awesome. There we go. RIP to the corn nut that used to be. Your days are over. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what's awesome. So you just quit corn nuts. Thank you. Did you you not? You quit corn nuts, yes? Yeah, I did. And we will not be replacing those with another salty trigger food, will we? No. No, we would not ever do that. If I'm feeling like I need a corn nut, could I have some iced green tea? Could I have some some pure water, some sparkling water? What about that? Yeah, that sounds good. I bet you. How many corn nuts were you eating a day? Two to three handfuls. So, and this was like a snacky thing, like a couple times a day? Yeah, like I thought I was giving myself some good nutrients. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. It is confusing. Like, look, I'm a pretty in shape guy. And like, I had no idea that that was a fried. And I want to be, listen, how do I get a (laughs) JJ? How do I start this year with a JJ Virgin, like nutrition plan? Like how, how, I want to, how do you, how does one do that? Well, I'll tell you what would be perfect for you Mm. is the Virgin diet because the Virgin diet is all about helping you figure out which foods work for you and which foods don't. And one of the foods that is a key pro-inflammatory food that tends to cause inflammation is corn. Wow. And so what I have people do is go through a little bit of a detox first where you pull out the most common food intolerant foods, dairy, eggs, soy, corn, peanuts, 
sugar, artificial sweeteners, you pull those out, you swap in healing foods, you are tracking your weight, you're tracking what you're eating, and then you go back and you check in on each food. So what would have happened if you'd done that is you would have gone back and tried those and you would have gone, wow. And I'm just guessing, but I'm betting that after having all of this out of your body for a month and going back and testing, you would have gone, wow, this does not make me feel good. This makes me feel bloated. This saps my energy. This might make my joints ache. You'd connect the dots. One of the challenges, Mike, is that we just don't connect the dots between what we're eating and how we feel. Mm. And food, again, is information, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you're telling me this. Uh, I feel like corn nuts have somehow slipped the, uh, they've they've fi- figured their way into the nuts at, at like Trader Joe's or at Sprouts or next to the nuts. And, you know, they always say eat some healthy nuts. I'm so, <laughs> I don't. Let's blow. Here's the other part about that too. Part of my seven foods are peanuts. They're not a nut either. They're actually a legume. The real nuts are the tree nuts, not the peanuts. And you want to buy raw, unsalted nuts. And then what you do is you soak them overnight in spring water with a little sea salt, and then you low roast them so that they get crunchy and they get dehydrated, but they don't have the damaged oils that happen when you buy the packaged salted nuts, Mm. right? That you're doing over at Trader Joe's. Yeah. So if I want to do the virgin diet, so I substitute for, for healthy foods, I get rid of the foods that are, how does someone know what foods, like I just am an example of not understanding that the corn nuts were bad. How does one go about knowing how to go about it? Here. <laughs> the book, The Virgin Diet. And that was a New York Times bestseller, huh? It was. You've had so- four of them. And I'm coming back, I'm coming out with Virgin Virgin Diet 2.0, which I'm going to be taking a group through as we beta test it. Um, but with just a few tweaks, it's still, it's still kind of the same thing. So you can grab it. I'm gonna send you everything now. Now you're now you're mine. You're in my I'm down. Here. Listen, I'll be I'll be a a, a virgin diet poster uh, child. Yeah, like I'm down. I I I'm always down to try new things and I like I love. That's why the podcast is called Always Evolving. So if well, I get- here's what I think about too with diets is here's what's weird about our vernacular. We have one word diet, and that word means the way people eat every day. And then it also means like, you know, going on a diet, like any of these diets out there. In reality, we need two different words because what you should use a diet for is solely to learn about yourself. Like the virgin diet set up so that you go through a process to figure out what your optimal diet is, which foods are the best foods for you, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And it's something that I have you do once a year because you can create food intolerances anytime because mm. of stress, you know, in which who didn't have stress like this past year? Oh my oh, gosh, yeah. 2020 was like stress bomb. So stress and medications and alcohol. So all of the things that are so common can really mess up your gut. So I think that any of these diets really are a short-term therapeutic tool that you use to learn things so that you can take from that and bring it into your everyday life. Because what you need to figure out is how should you, Mike, eat so that you feel good, have steady, sustained energy, you're not thinking about corn nuts all the time, you know, easily maintain your weight at the right weight. You've got good Mm -hmm. and weight being really looking at body composition, not what you weigh, it's what you weight's made up of, right? It's very different. Like I am six feet tall, I weigh 150 pounds and I'm 13% body fat. If I was 25% body fat, that would be an entirely different situation, right? Mm. You know, like I wear a size four pant, I'd wear a size 10 pant if I was 25% body fat. So it's really what that weight's made up of and also what your hip to waist ratio is, right? JJ, do do people, I got to ask you though, because I got to imagine, and I love how you're, you're a tough love type of gal with kindness, but you're also a tough love type of gal, I can tell, right? Mm. So have you found that like you've gotten pushback from like, you know, oh, you're fat phobic or the eating disorder world or people have tried to get in the way of your mission at all? 
So um, I don't believe, uh, I haven't gotten the fat phobic because I have a very different feeling about someone struggling with being overweight or, or obese. And I view it much more as a metabolic condition. I don't think this is generally what I've seen over the years working with so many people. And I've been working in the weight loss field now for 35 years is that for the majority of these people, they have messed up their metabolism and gosh, they tend to know more about calories, more about things than the average bear. They're just struggling with things like insulin resistance, mm. adrenal problems, food intolerance, et cetera. And for so many of them, they've just been following the wrong set of rules. They've been counting calories, just like that one client I told you about. So I never hear that because I'm absolutely the, the opposite. I believe that if you're struggling, if you're overweight or obese, it's probably because you haven't figured out what's going wrong in your metabolism. What is making you weight loss resistant that you need to fix? It's just being overweight is just a way for your body to tell you that what you're doing is not working. And then you have to go through and figure out what of all these different things aren't working. The virgin diet's the first step in that toolbox, hmm. but you know it could be toxins. It could be menopause or andropause. It could be insulin resistance, it could be stress, it could be poor sleep. I mean, there's so many different things. It could be genetics. So that's the first part of it. As far as um, eating disorders, the only pushback I've ever gotten, and it was very interesting, Mike, when I first started this, I would take scales out of people's houses. I would bring a scale in once a week, a body fat scale and test people and measure them. And I told them to stay off the scale, that it created that type of problem. I totally reversed that opinion when I was looking at the research that showed the people who weigh in daily tend to do better at maintaining their weight. Mm. But what we have to do is we have to take the emotion out of it. You know, a woman steps on a scale and it's like the scale is talking to her going, see, you're a bad person. You know, it's right. like, no, that's not what the scale is doing. The scale is going, so, you know, that sandwich you ate yesterday, you probably don't handle gluten well. And that's why you have inflammation because no, you don't gain four pounds overnight. You know, that's inflammation. That's your body trying to tell you something. So we have to divorce the, you know, all of the emotions and crap we have with scales and use it as what it is. It's just like testing your blood sugar, right? You would never test your blood sugar and give yourself a complete, like, I'm a bad person. No, mm -hmm. it's your blood sugar, right? But somehow it's your scale and you're judging yourself. Same with weight. That's why I look at weight and I go, all right. If someone's having trouble losing weight, what is going on that's making their body hold on to weight? Because let's say you have a high toxic burden. You've got a lot of toxins stored. You're not a good detoxifier. Your body will hold on to fat because that's where you store toxins and it doesn't want to release them into your system if you can't detoxify them out because it'll make you sicker. So there's all these different things. And yet we tend to beat ourselves up if we've gained weight. Do you know, last year during the pandemic, it started and I was popped right back emotionally into like the situation, you know, about with my son, um, where I nearly lost my son. Mentally, I went right back there. And within a week, I gained five pounds. Now, I hadn't changed anything. And so and so for those who, who don't know what happened where you nearly lost your son, do you mind giving? Yes. Yeah, so the backstory of this is um, when the book, The Virgin Diet, about a month before The Virgin Diet was coming out, my 16-year-old son was crossing the street and got run down by a car and left for dead in the street. He was airlifted to a local hospital where they literally told us that we had to let him die. He had um, two injuries that really kind of contradicted each other in how you would deal with them. One was a torn aorta. That's what killed Princess Diana. And he had to have this repaired before it burst. They said it was going to burst sometime in the next 24 hours. If it didn't get repaired, it was, it was literally hanging on by an onion skin. The challenge was he also had multiple brain bleeds. And if they repaired his aorta, they would have to use blood thinners that would cause his brain to bleed out. So mm. we were like at odds going, what do we do? The, there was a hospital, there's a doctor, Dr. Carlos Donaire, who does this surgery. It's a very specialized surgery. He does it and teaches it. And so we made the decision to get Grant. I mean, we are finding this all out at like nine o'clock at night. We overruled this doctor who says he's never going to survive this airlift to Harbor UCLA from Palm Springs. And even if he survives his airlift, he's never going to survive the surgery. And even if he survives the surgery, he'll be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. And, you know, we're kind of looking at this doctor going, well, 
my 15 year old son said, well, maybe a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And the doctor said, yeah, that sounds about right. And he's like, well, that's not zero. (laughs) You know, Mm. we'll take those odds. So he survived the airlift. He survived the surgery. And I'll tell you in a little bit about the decision I made that changed everything. But bottom line was, you know, I still remember that first night after he'd gotten to Harbor UCLA standing in the ICU. And I felt that same thing when the pandemic started to hit. And within the first week of the pandemic, my weight had gone like up. Like powerless, powerless. Like overwhelmed, scared out of my mind. I mean, as a mom, you know, or any parent, I think the you know number one fear you have is that something will happen to your child. So here it is. I'm faced with it. I always said I could handle everything as long as my kids were okay. I'm standing there. And I'm like, you know, just take me, right? And um, and so as the pandemic's hitting and you've no idea what's going on, and it was the same thing in the ICU, you've no idea. You cannot predict what's going to happen. And within the first week of that pandemic, I'd gained five pounds. I'm like, well, that's stress. Okay. And I knew it. And I went, all right, I'll just like monitor this. I'm sure it'll come back off. And then I started gaining a pound a day. It's just proof to show you that uh, you know, it took me, it took me a couple weeks to figure it out. I immediately went and got all these tests done to figure out what had gone sideways. And it took me a couple months to get those 10 pounds back off again. Um, but it's just showing you that again, your body is not a bank account. And I didn't step on the scale every day and go, Oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. I stepped on the scale and went, all right, what the heck is going on here? Mm. Right. Why would this be happening? And that's where I think we really need to move with all this stuff is be able to look at this. Always start with changing your diet. That's the easiest shift. And if your body doesn't respond to that, you're either following the wrong diet, the wrong set of rules, or your body's got other stuff going on. So do you believe that your body stored fat because it had a reaction as if you, let's say at a, at a deeper level, I imagine if we're talking to our bodies and our bodies are in panic or stress or feel like we're going to go to war and need to protect mm-hmm. ourselves, then we start to store more. Yeah. Initially, you you might go up. Like initially, your metabolism, sometimes your, your endorphins kick in, your appetite goes away. You initially could lose weight and then turn around and start to gain. So it just depends. For me, um, what happened was the stress immediately kicked my thyroid and I have a thyroid condition and boom, my thyroid went down huh. that quickly. And I was like going and I knew it. Right. right. So that's what happened. It, and it changed all of my hormones. My thyroid went down. It shifted my estrogen. It just started, started a cascade that then I had to come back and repair. And so, but for someone initially, like I remember when my son was first in the hospital, the initial week, I was on so much adrenaline Mm. that I was barely eating, was hard to sleep. And I was like, you know, in complete, like save my son mode. And then it started to kick in the other way. So it's just kind of understanding how your body would respond or really working with the functional medicine doctor who can help you identify that. And the bigger shift there, the bigger, bigger mindset shift is that, this is not you being bad. This is your body responding. And now you need to be the health detective here and figure out what the heck's going on so you can heal your metabolism. Because a healthy body, you know, has great energy, uses stored fat for fuel, sleeps well. Whenever those things start to get disrupted and you should really know that normal, then you go, what? Okay, let's figure this out. But JJ, I have several questions. But one... Have me be one of the test trial people in one of these things. I'm a great poster child and I follow through. So I'm not, I'm actually one of those that, uh, the coach is very coachable. Mm-hmm. Very. I, I am still coached to this day. So for one, I'm six foot five, 275 pounds and, you know, I'm coachable. So I'm putting that out there. If any of this, you know, Virgin Diet 2.0 in this new year. Let's do it. You'll be the poster child. And and you said something really important there because you know what the most successful people are? They're always, they're always learning. They're always students and they're super coachable, right? True. Super true. Mm -hmm. And, and the people that are coachable, I find are happier or more at peace. There's less ego because 
you know, when, when someone becomes uncoachable, it starts to get a little bit of a God complex or fear-driven insecurity that makes someone just less connected to other people. Um, so yeah, I'm just pushing that your way again. So after this podcast, let me know what the heck I'm doing. I'm going to be, you know what? I'm literally going to be a poster child. Like I want to do one of those images where I'm like pre-virgin diet, post-virgin diet. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll put you on Women's World or, you know, yeah. like look at those magazines that they put you on. I'm like, huh. Well, I'm so, not sure about that, Mike. And you but. said, no, I'm with you. And you said, so the other thing you said was there was, you, you were going to share with me the decision that you made in ah. regard. Yeah. Yes. Since you're the decision, the decision coach. Yes. Um, because when you really look at life, it's crazy what simple decisions, the profound impacts those simple decisions have. Right. And so the first decision was really that night when we were at the first hospital, he got hit at dusk and we were standing in the hospital and the doctor's telling us to let him go. And we are like looking at the doctor going, well, there's uh, as long as he's still alive, you know, he's got brain activity. And I went outside because I thought, gosh, what do you do? I mean, as a parent, when you're faced with this decision, it's a way bigger decision than should I save my, my son? Because what I was looking at was what will happen? What if we say we're overruling you? And he is like a prisoner in his body. You know, he's completely, we had no idea. Is mm. he paralyzed? Is he blind? Is he, we had no You're idea. You're saying where he would have been like, just let me go. And, yes. Right. Yes. And so I thought, oh man. So I walked outside and uh, I had a mentor early on. who was like, you know, sometimes you just need to listen <laughs> just truly listen. So I walk outside. It's it's like a clear night and I'm standing there and I said, Grant, what do I do? And I heard him say, and it turns out, Mike, this is so crazy. I didn't know it at the time. His, his name means warrior. Mm. And I heard, I like heard so clearly, and this is the kid I knew the morning after that I was pregnant with him. I, I remember telling my husband, I'm pregnant. It's a boy. And he's like, yeah, right. Right. I was right. So I said, what do I do, Grant? What what do you want? And he said, fight for me, mom. And that was it. I was like, okay, walked in, said, we're overruling you. And when we got to the next hospital and he got through that surgery and I was standing in the pediatric ICU full 24 hours later, I said, Grant, you are going to be 110%. This is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you and to our family. This is going to have profound effects for, for other people suffering with the same TBIs. I said, you've got to be 110% and you've got to fight and I will get you there. And it was the mantra that I lived with, that decision that Grant was going to be 110%, the decision that he was going to be better because of this, that this didn't happen to him, it happened for him. And that's a like, what a shift. I mean, what an empowering shift. And I am happy to say now all along the way, it's been eight years. And a lot of that time, it was not looking like 110%, you know, it was looking like, you know, 70%. Now 70% is better than zero, which was- Because of the head trauma? Yeah, the head trauma, like what's miraculous is, you know, here he was crossing the street, the car was probably going 40 miles an hour. It was a hit and run. So we're not sure exactly, but he had, he broke, he had 13 fractures. How he has a little hearing loss in one ear. That's really it. I'm like, how the heck I go, you are like, I don't even know what to say here with you. You know, it's like amazing. Um, but the head trauma, the head trauma, the, the information out there on traumatic brain injuries, it is such a difficult injury and um, it changes everything, you know, your memory, um, your moods, suicidal tendencies, your hormones, all sorts of stuff. So it's been uncovering one rock, another rock, just peeling the onion to get deeper and deeper into helping him. And it really was like earlier in 2020 that we finally got him to the 110%. He's literally better than before the accident now. Um, but I just kept 
going with how do I get him to 110%? Like make a decision, ask the right question and stay so singularly focused on that one thing, Mm -hmm. right? That one thing. And uh, eight years later, there he is. Yeah, and I have to imagine that it just at the most deep level gave you confirmation that believing what you believe and trusting your own intuition and relationship to the world that, you know, the thing that you're kind of talking about is one size doesn't fit all. And that's so important because I think often people will look at data or information and go, well, I'm doomed or I can't get better. I can't get well. The fact Mm -hmm. he's had eight years of living. Yep. Just having eight years of living. Right. So it is interesting. You know, you look at it and, and look at what, how doctors are trained and hospitals are trained to tell you the, you know, the statistics. And I'm like, well, when they were telling us the statistics for him, I was purely looking at the possibility. Mm. And, you know, the reality was he had the teensiest possibility that he could pull through, but that's all I needed to focus on. Right. And, you know, you hear it over and over and over again, uh, these people that can do things against all odds. And I do believe that a big part of that is what they choose to focus on. We told Grant early on that he had our permission to prove every doctor wrong, Mm. that he was, Grant never gonna, never gonna give up because they said, oh, he's never gonna walk again. Well, he's running. He's Mm. never gonna hear again. Well, he's hearing, you know, I mean, we were just like, we just started to make it a challenge for, for him. And think about it. We're never better than when we're challenged. So I had a mentor 30 who said, don't wish it was easier, make yourself stronger. Mm. And so that's what I just kept pushing him on. And he, that's, that's when he really steps up when he's pushed. And I think we're all like that, right? Yeah. I I think, um, you know, it's interesting that sometimes there's the, somebody said this, but I'm going to prove them wrong. But then there's a difference when it's, Somebody says this, but I'm going to just do what I believe in what's right. And it sounds like we're, you know, thank God that you trusted your instincts, your son's living today. That's, and you get into that in Warrior Mom, the other book you wrote, right? Yes. And in Warrior Mom, I mean, here was the thing. When I was writing Warrior Mom, Mike, my son was so suicidal. One of the things they don't tell you about with traumatic brain injury is how many people with a traumatic brain injury kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And Grant tried to kill himself multiple times while I'm writing this book. And I'm thinking to myself, I am writing this book and he may not be around when this book is published. Mm. And it made me realize this book is not about, it's not the story of me saving my son's life, which I did not save my son's life. It took a village to save my son's life. And what really saved my son's life was my son believing that he could be 110%. So let's be honest. And all of the amazing people that came in to help and his father, who's been incredible. So that's been all super important. But I also knew that this book wasn't written about my son's life being saved. This book was written about how you show up when things are hard. When you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice, right? That's Dr. Wayne Dyer. I love that statement. So what happens when you get squeezed? What happens during these challenging times? During challenging times, this is your opportunity to step it up. And so that's what the book was written about. It was written about how you show up at the most important times. And that mindset's a muscle. And just like we take our body to the gym, we need to take our mindset there and challenge it and grow. Because after what's happened with my son, it is really hard to rattle me at this point. You know, you look at the Mm. things that most people get upset about and I'm like, eh, no one's dying here is kind of my litmus test, right? Right. I think it's definitely a... um, you, you go through something like that and, and it's the same with me, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering meth addict and drug addict and, you know, and I, and I also own a treatment center, you know, and have dealt with a lot of people with suicide, a lot of people with suicidal ideation, a lot of psychiatric mm-hmm. and addictive disorders, overdoses, you know, sometimes you put things in perspective with day-to-day life and what really matters and it really does come down to life 
Life matters. Yeah. Living yeah. matters. Probably this last year has really kind of amplified that as to like what's important and helped us kind of regroup again yeah. to the simple, most important things. And, you know, wow, the most important things, hey, cooking dinner together, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Simple things. I am curious, two questions. One is, what are you finding is happening for a lot of people who have gone through COVID and how their dieting or nutrition has changed? Because sometimes I feel like uh, people, when they don't feel like they're the only one doing it, it suddenly helps them actually go, oh, okay, I'm not just a F up and I need to get my <laughs> act together. And then also, what do people do now? To kind of get what's the best way I kind of look at sometimes with nutrition. It's like if you've dug yourself into a, a far place, it's almost the wheel is really hard to move at first. You know, it's mm -hmm. not like we're just going to performance. We're going to the basics. So what have you noticed has happened and, and what how do people get jump started again? Well, it was very interesting early on when I made the decision to do last year as the pandemic was hitting was to go live into my community as much as possible to just be there for them. I I think the most dangerous part of all of this is, is the isolation. Mm. That is what scares me the most. I mean, we know that social isolation is like to your health, the equivalent of smoking a half pack of cigarettes. So I started doing that. And I remember one of the gals said, um, what do we do about the quarantine 15? And I go, what, what, <laughs> what are you talking about the quarantine? I immediately bought the quarantine 15 diet website. I was like, wow. But I went, ah, here's the opportunity. So why did people do that? Because as you look at it and go, well, wait a minute. All of a sudden, you're home now. Now you have so much more control over what you're eating, you're cooking. It's not like you're dining out and traveling. Life mm. just got simpler, except you're using food as love, mm -hmm. as a stress reducer, et cetera. The opportunity really is, I mean, hey, virgin diet, sugar impact diet can help you get that weight off that, but that won't help it not happen again. If we don't get to the point of going, when you're stressed, what happens when you're feeling lonely, what happens when you're scared, what happens? So the first opportunity is to go, what do I trade for food? Because when I'm scared, food's probably not going to be the thing that's going to protect me. Right. Right. <laughs> Now, what's interesting about, about what's gone on is that the reality is when you look at all of the statistics and everything else, that the single most important thing that you could do here is to upgrade your health. I mean, if you look at who's gotten sick, the long tail effects, all mm. of that, gosh, if there was not in, you know, when you're in health, when you're in weight loss, selling preventions is like trying to sell snow to Eskimos. Right. No one is interested. No, no. By the way, prevention's the same thing in the drug and the treatment with it. With it. You try to dare. You can't sell dare. They basically make t-shirts out of it. Go to raves, drop an ecstasy and put some beads on. Like, <laughs> prevention does nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at this and I went, wow, prevention finally got a little sexy and interesting because, you know, what do you want to do? You don't want to get it. So let's get your immune system super healthy because you're looking at it and going to people with the who are overweight or obese with diabetes or heart disease or the people with challenges. So let's fix that. So mm. I still hold on to what do we need to do? Because, hey, this one hit what's around the corner. Right. You know, I mean, are we at all talking about the fact that these things are way more challenging now because we're a traveling world, we're a global economy, like it's so different than it was a hundred years ago. And it's it's not, I mean, who knows how much will change, but it's not gonna go all the way back to where it was. We've got right. planes and trains and automobiles. So it still comes down to self-care is selfless. The most important thing we can do is really strengthen your body, strengthen your mind, strengthen your immune system. So make your one decision to prioritize your self-care and just start with one thing that moves that one decision forward and then keep going. And, and for the listeners, that one thing can be the virgin diet. 
It can be following JJ Virgin on social media, going to her website. Uh, you know, I she gives a lot of great information. Like I just saw a newsletter that had to do with getting on television and how to how to present yourself that I thought was really interesting and helpful. Oh, so, you're in my other, you're in my other, my mindshare business oh, too. I figure out ways to climb around and see, you know, I ain't going to just put You're sniffing all over the place, oh, aren't yeah. you, Mike? So, so that, that's one tool is really follow JJ Virgin. I'm certainly going to get into it. And to realize that prioritize yourself, self-care is selfless. Uh, I just found a good tool too. I was like, I know I had one. I had to put my glasses on to find it. Um, jjvirgin.com forward slash healthy habits gets a healthy habits cheat sheet okay. and calendar. So you can just guide yourself. All right, cool. Well, JJ, I really appreciate you coming on always evolving. And I'm uh, really excited about, about the transformation that's about to happen with you. Yeah, Mike. I'm down. So we'll, we'll talk offline now and see where we're at. Maybe we do a follow-up episode depending on what happens if I don't have a meltdown. It ain't going to be even better if you have a meltdown because then we just walk you through it. And let's just get content of it too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you again, JJ. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to Always Evolving. If you made it this far, that means you must have dug it or waited to hear what was said next. If you could please subscribe, you can get a new Always Evolving episode every week that will help you with your mindset, help you with your life, help you with your lifestyle. Also, please rate and review. And also, some of you have been texting me. Uh, The phone number is 310-984-1858. That's 310-984-1858. And I say, text me the word podcast and what you think of the episode. So I really appreciate some of you texting me. I've been responding. And until next time, keep it magical. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.